Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Lord's house. Please stand with us. Okay, we know that it's cold and gloomy and all that outside, but in here it's warm, right? Yes. Let's sing to the only name that matters, right? The name of Jesus.
Amen. Good, good morning, Kavanaugh Church family. How's everyone doing? Good. I don't know about you, but I woke up in the land of the chilly and freezing cold this morning and uh, made it here to worship the Lord this morning. I'm so glad that you did too. Thank you for being here this morning here at Kavanaugh Church. Y'all doing okay? Good, good. It's awesome to see you guys. Been praying for you all this week, and we know that God has something special in store for us this morning through the preaching of His Word as we continue to worship and have fellowship with one another. I hope you have had a chance this morning to be able to connect um, and fellowship a little bit and uh, see how y'all are doing with each other, that kind of thing. Uh, but now it's time to to get in gear and worship and, and grow in our Lord with our Lord and Savior. So thankful for that opportunity that we have here at Kavanaugh Church to do just that. Um, if you're a first-time guest, thank you so much for being here on this cold chilly morning. Uh, but man, we would love to, ha to get to know you and your family. So in the chair back in front of you, there's a little connect card. If you could fill that out. And then right after service out these back doors, there's a connect counter. We'd love to tell you all about our church and where you and your family could plug in and get connected, all right? But man, it's great to see you guys. I'm going to invite you all to stand right now. We're going to ask God's blessing on our services today. Thank you so much for being here. It's awesome. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. Thank you again so much for bringing us back into this place, God. It's special to us, God. You, you, you meet us here. We meet you here, God. And I pray that as Brother Will brings the word today, that you touch our hearts, God. We want to make this year the very best year that it can be, and we want to be able to see ourselves grow and flourish in the way that you would want us to, God. So, Lord, impact our hearts. Touch us, God, and help us to be that people. We want to celebrate you. We want to worship you, but we want to share you, God. And we begin that sharing by making the change in us and the preparation in our hearts so we can make that impact in this world that desperately needs to know you. We love you so much. In your name, amen. Gentle reminder, my team, Michigan Wolverines, won last week. So you guys go ahead and uh, say hi to each other, and uh, we'll get started in a few moments.
There's joy in this house this morning, and we won't be quiet about it. We're not supposed to be quiet about it. <clears throat> Psalm 107.2 tells us, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And I think sometimes we overcomplicate that because we want to take it as, let the educated tell the story, or let the talented take to tell the story, or the, those who are already called to ministry. Um, but there's only one requirement. If you've had the experience, you tell the story. Um, so you're qualified, <laughs> excuse me, um, to say to that friend who is hurting or that family member who is lost or that coworker or classmate or random person in line at Walmart, hey, friend, I know that God can meet your need because he met my need. So let me tell you about my Jesus. Are you past the point of weary? Is your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Do you feel that empty feeling? Cause shame's not all it's stealing. And you're desperate for some healing. Let me tell you about my Jesus.
Lord, we love you, and we're so thankful to be in your house this morning, so thankful for your love for us and the, the way you just walk with us through this life, Lord. Thank you for the way that you changed our lives. And Lord, I pray that that would just spill over and everyone around us, not just in this room, Lord, but as we go to work and to school and wherever we spend our week outside of here, Lord, I pray that we would live in a way that people know that we love you and that we belong to you, Lord, and that, and that because of that, they would want what we have. And Lord, help us just to be bold to share it. Lord, I pray that hearts would receive you this morning, Lord, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, God, let this be the day that that they open their heart to you and they see what you can do in their life. Lord, we thank you for every blessing. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Humble yourself. Then he said it a second and third time. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. It happened just after the end of the Rose Bowl game between Georgia and Oklahoma in 2018. Anybody remember that game? As the two teams exited the field after Georgia defeated Oklahoma in a thrilling double overtime victory, Georgia linebacker David Bellamy spotted the Oklahoma quarterback, whose name was Baker Mayfield, and shouted those two words at him, humble yourself. <laughs> now you can hear a whole lot of things at a football game, but rarely will you hear one player say to another player, humble yourself. But you know what? That is pretty good advice for everybody in this room. If pride was the first sin, and I remind you, it was the first sin committed by an angel in heaven, then humility is the very first virtue. Years ago, I learned the first rule of spiritual life, and here it is. He's God, and we're not. You with me? He's God, and we're not. All spiritual growth starts with this fundamental truth. And until you can grasp that, until you can wrap your mind around that, you are still in spiritual kindergarten. James chapter 4, verses 6 through 10, fleshes out what it really means to humble yourself in the eyes of the Lord. In this passage, we discover six steps that will unlock the path of God's blessing on his children. And I cannot wait to share with you what James 4, 6 through 10 says. So here we go. Are you ready? James says, but he gives more grace. Well, I've got to stop right there and say, hallelujah, thank you, Lord. Not only does he supply the grace that we need for our lives to be changed, he gives us more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. 
Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would do that very thing this morning as we humble ourselves in your presence. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Would, would you like to know God better in 2024? Humble yourself. Would you like to receive God's approval in your life? Humble yourself. Would you like to break through into victory in 2024? Humble yourself. Would you like a closer walk with God in 2024 like you've never had before? Then pay attention to this passage because it will help you jumpstart your spiritual life. So here are six ways you can do that. Six ways to jumpstart your spiritual life. Now, we're, we're a little low this morning because I guess it's cold outside. I don't know. That means you're going to have to be super involved. And help me out. I've really worked hard on this sermon. I am so excited to share these six spiritual truths with you, and I want you to be excited to receive them. So can you, yeah, there you go. Put put a smile on your face, get get a notepad out, get a pen, write these six ways to jumpstart your spiritual life down. Are you ready for number one? Take a knee. Take a knee. Why do I say that? Well, it's what James says in 4, 6 through 7. But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Now, here's the the truth. Humility doesn't come naturally to most of us. It's the virtue which, if you think you've got it, you probably don't. Are you, are you with me? If, if, you, if you think you're humble, you're not. D.L. Moody used to pray, Lord, make me humble, but don't tell me about it. <laughs> Nobody in this room likes being told what to do. We would rather be in charge of our own affairs. And that's why the whole notion of surrendering our pride to the Lord sounds strange at first. But there is no other way for you to get better. There is no other way for you to be healed spiritually. There is no other way for you to be forgiven. There is no other way for you to find new life than to humble yourself. We can fight the Lord or we can surrender everything to his control. When we fight, we lose. When we surrender in faith, we win. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humility grows best in the rich soil of God's grace. So don't be praying for humility. You need to be praying for more grace. Pray that God will pour out his grace in your heart so that the only thing you're going to boast about is God. The proud man must constantly remind you how great he is. He brags because he wants you to praise him. 
But if you have to tell me how great you are, how great could you possibly be? The braggart brags because he's trying to convince you of how great he is. The humble man doesn't brag because truth speaks for itself. He leaves his reputation in the hands of the Lord because it doesn't really matter to him what other people think about him. He wants God's reputation to become great in this world and in the land. What happens to him really doesn't matter as long as God is glorified, his name is lifted up, and his work continues to the end of the world. Walking in humility means that you confess your sins. It means that you forgive your enemies and that you admit your mistakes and that you don't brag about how great you are. God opposes the proud. So don't let that happen to you. But he gives grace to the humble. So you know what? You need to pray for all the grace that you need. Step number one in jump-starting your faith, you need to take a knee. It might as well be two knees, all right? You'll be glad you did. Number two, fight back. Listen to James 4, 7. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. This is both a command and a promise. Resist the devil, command. The promise is he'll flee from you. If we submit to God, we may be sure that when we resist the devil, he is going to flee from us. Did you know you have no power in and of yourself against the devil? He he has power over you, but he has no power to use against us when we fight in the power of the Lord. By ourselves, we cannot win. With God's help, we can't lose. Man. So what do we do? We resist the devil. That word resist is a military term. It means that you stand and you fight. You duke it out with the devil. You don't turn and run. Now, mind you, we are to flee temptation. We understand that, right? We are to flee temptation, but we are to stand and fight against the devil. That means that we take up the armor of God and we stand in the evil day. Ephesians chapter 6 tells us about putting on the armor of God. And if you will read that passage closely, you will find that all the armor goes on the front side. There's nothing to protect the back. Why? Because you're not running from the devil. You stand and you fight. Satan is like a football coach who studies the opposing team. Or let me put it like this. The devil has some pretty good game film on you. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our strengths. And he uses what he knows against us. I know this. If the devil can get us discouraged and down, he's already won the battle. He knows when you lose your temper. The devil isn't equal to God, but he's a whole lot smarter than you are. So don't be surprised when he hits you out of the blue. And when he hits you out of the blue you need to fight back. Don't be surprised when he comes to you with a seductive temptation, you fight back. Don't be surprised when he whispers in your ear in a moment of weakness. No, you fight back. 
The devil is a murderer by nature, John 8, 44. And he is out to destroy your life, your career, your marriage, your family, and even your ministry. So you've got to stand and fight. You fight back with the Word of God. It's sharp, it's powerful. It can cut through the enemy. You fight back by singing great hymns and praise. Keep your radio dialed in to a Christian station. You fight back by praying to Jesus. You fight back by leaning on the support of brothers and sisters at Kavanaugh Church. You fight back by confessing Christ openly and telling other people about your Jesus. You fight back by fleeing from temptation. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Wow, pretty good, pretty good advice. How are we going to jumpstart our faith in 2024? We're going to take a knee. We're going to fight back. Number three, we're going to draw near. That's exactly what James says in verse 8. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. The question is not how near is God to us, but rather how near are we to God? Now, every married couple in this room understands that proximity is one thing, intimacy is a totally other thing. A couple can be seated on the same couch watching the same TV program and be miles apart from each other. A husband and wife can sleep together in the same bed, but they can be miles apart from each other. It is quite possible for you to be married and live an entirely separate life. You're afraid to say amen to that, but it's true. Drawing near to God starts in your heart, okay? So let me go back to the married couple scenario. Let's let's take a different married couple. This married couple may be so united in mind and in heart that they know what each other is feeling. They know what each other is thinking. They can finish each other's sentences, two birds, one shot. Nobody in this room gets that except Angie. I'll tell you about it one day. Why? Because he has drawn near to her. As as husband, she has his heart. And she has drawn near to him. He has her heart. They know what each other is thinking, what each other is thinking, how each other is feeling. If we come to God with that same desire to know God and to love God, and we draw near to God wanting to be close to Him, the promise is He's going to draw near to us. You don't have to be an advanced Christian or a super saint or a deep Bible student. A brand new Christian can experience this. All you have to have is a heart for God. And a desire to be with God. Years ago, I heard the question put this way. If God feels far away from you, then who moved? Well, it's never the Lord. We may know his presence and feel his pleasure if we really want it. So what do we do? We choose to draw near to God. We make it our choice to get as close to him as we possibly can. Number four, how do we jumpstart our 
our Christian faith and life. Number four, we clean up. We clean up. James 4, 8b says, Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So we need to cleanse our hands because our hands are dirty with sin. We, we need to purify our hearts because they are divided and we are distracted. What this means is simply this. It means that we stop making excuses for the bad attitude that we have. It means that, that we start da- stop dabbling in pornography. We stop bragging about our accomplishments for envying other people, for bitterness, for critical spirits, for our own prayerlessness, for our need to be in control, for giving in to despair, for hating our enemies instead of loving our enemies, and for our failure to do what we ought to do. We quit making excuses for that, and and we find cleansing for that. Now, here's a very useful way to apply this truth. You're going to have to specify that. You're going to have to take some time and find a place where you can get alone. Turn off your cell phone. Block off a few hours of just alone time with God. And, and when you're alone with God, you pray this simple prayer. Lord, would you please show me the truth about myself? Lord, I want you to show me and tell me what you see when you look at me. Lord, tell me the truth about my heart. And then you just wait. And if you pray that prayer, God's going to show you. And what do you do? You write it down. Now, I have done this numerous times, and I can tell you every time that I've done it, I have been totally appalled at what the Lord reveals to me about my own heart. But then you can be glad because From that, you can ask for cleansing, and from that confession comes repentance. Hosea chapter 10 verse 12 gives us a wonderful promise. Plow up the hard ground of your hearts, for now is the time to seek the Lord, that he may come and shower righteousness upon you. I I know this, plowing is hard work, especially if you go out and try to plow today. It's going to be tough. It means that you have to dig up the rocks and you have to pull the weeds up that keep the good fruit from growing. But if you do that, if we by God's grace do the hard thing, the Lord has promised that he is going to send the rain that produces a new life with new joy and fresh fruit from heaven. And it's worth it. So we need to clean up. We need to draw near. We need to fight back. We need to take a knee. And number five, are you ready? We need to get serious. Verse nine. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Can I tell you something? That's a hard verse. That's that's some tough stuff right there. In fact, this verse runs counter to the I want to be happy all the time version of Christianity that is popular in our world today. This verse, I mean, it seems like a downer. Be wretched. who, Who wants to be wretched? Mourn. Man, I'd rather don't worry, be happy, wouldn't you? Weep. 
Are you serious? I'd be the first to agree this verse stated this way does seem like a downer. Right? Let's be real, right? But, but let's step back and ask ourselves, what, what does James mean by this? Is James just being a killjoy? I, I don't think so. Is, is he a nattering nabob of negativism? <laughs> no, not really. James wants us to get serious about our personal relationship with the living God. After years of, of study of the Bible, in fact, I, I was saved when I was six, started preaching when I was 10. I've studied the Bible my whole life, been to Bible college, been to seminary. I've become a student of human nature, and I have come to this conclusion. Here, here's what I believe with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. We are more sinful than we usually think we are. However sinful you think you are, you're a lot more sinful than that. Most people, even those who don't go to church, would agree they are sinners. I was uh, at a cowboy shoot a year ago, and, and uh, I was a posse marshal, so I got to read the scenarios. And, and I always, somewhere in a day's worth of shooting, will try to share the good news of the gospel with those on my posse. And, and so I, I gave them all an ABC pen. Click, 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 how to go to heaven. The first one is A, you what? Admit your sinners. I said, we're all sinners. And this one old boy that was standing there said, you're right about that, preacher. <laughs> Honestly, he was boasting. And, and I had been around the guy. He, tell you what, he would make a sailor blush. Most people will admit they're sinners, Right? I mean, nobody's perfect. We all understand that. We, we all make mistakes. It's not hard to get people to agree with that concept. But you know what? The Bible go, goes much deeper than that. The Bible tells us that sin has infected every part of the human life. That we are spiritually dead, spiritually blind, spiritually lost. We are separated from God and we are without hope in this present world. The Bible reveals the solemn truth that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We have all missed the mark. The whole of human race is lost. We are broken. We are dead. We are blind. We are deaf to God's truth. We are in a state of perpetual rebellion. And we are so separated from God that we are under the wrath of God. And we are bound for eternal punishment in hellfire. And that's what the Bible says about the whole human race. That's God's verdict on you and on me. And if you don't believe that, or if you think that's too harsh, or if you can't handle the truth, then this verse is going to make no sense to you. What it comes down to is this. It all depends on how messed up you think you really are. Small sinners only need a small Savior. Moderate sinners only need a moderate Savior. Big-time sinners need a big-time Savior. 
Can I tell you something? We're all big time sinners. <laughs> we need a big time Savior. And once we see our sin as it really is, we will be wretched. We will mourn. We will weep. We'll stop laughing and start crying. We will allow our joy to be turned into mourning. And that opens the door to the abundant life that we're seeking. We simply acknowledge what God has already said. We know that's the way it is. We get serious about our sin and we do something about it. I'll remind you that weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Because when you get serious with God, the promise comes true. We take God seriously, we repent of our sins, and the joy comes to our life. Wow. Take a knee, fight back, draw near, clean up, get serious. And finally, number six, you need to stay low. Right out of the Bible, verse 10, humble yourself before the Lord. Humble yourself, get low, and he will exalt you. Howard Hendricks was the distinguishing, distinguished professor at Dallas Theological Seminary for years. Great Bible scholar, great, great teacher. A friend of his in ministry received the directorship of a large worldwide ministry. And so he came to his mentor, Dr. Hendricks, and said, what do I do, Dr. Hendricks? How, how do I handle this? What, what should be my game plan? And here's what the preacher said. Lie low and exalt Christ. Lie low, humble yourself, and exalt Christ. That's a pretty good word for all of us. We can brag on ourselves or we can exalt Jesus, but we cannot do both of those at the same time. That sentence stands as a powerful admonition for every Christian. It, it, it's great advice because it describes two choices that we have. You can either exalt yourself or you can exalt Jesus, but you can't do both. And when we decide to lie low and exalt Christ, there is no limit to what the Lord can choose to do in and through us. I began this sermon by talking about one football player who shouted to another football player, humble yourself. What he said to his rival, God says to us, humble yourself. You know what? The bottom line is this. We can be blessed We've just got to humble ourselves. We can be changed, but we've got to humble ourselves. We can experience the abundant life that comes in Jesus Christ, but we must first humble ourselves. In the early days of 2024, many of us are thinking about how we can get a fresh start and make a new beginning eat right, exercise, get plenty of rest, cultivate relationships, all that stuff. James chapter 4, 6 through 10 shows us the path that will jumpstart our spiritual life. And, and, and I, 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 I say I can't wait. I've already started doing these six things in my life. 
And I challenge you to do the same. Come to the altar this morning. Get your heart right with Jesus. Take a knee. Really, take two knees. Fight back. Stand against the devil. Resist him. Draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. Clean up your life. Why? Because you've gotten serious about sin. You've gotten serious about serving Jesus. You want to be the kind of vessel that he can use. And as you do all of that, you need to stay low and exalt Jesus. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd help us do that this morning. There's someone in this room who needs to come and receive Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. I pray that they would take that step of faith and come down to the altar and admit that they're a sinner, believe that Jesus died for them, and confess Jesus as their Lord. Lord, there's a whole lot of us in this room who just need to come and take these six steps that will jumpstart our spiritual life. We, We need to take a knee before you today. We need to fight back against the devil in our life. We need to draw near to you at this altar, clean up our life, get serious, and stay low. Lord, others just need to come and pray because it's been a while since they've done that. They know they need to today. Some need to come and intercede for a friend or a lost loved one. Help us to be faithful in doing that. Lord, as as we take this invitation publicly, I pray that you would just move and draw people to yourself. We've done our best to exalt Jesus today. And here's what I know from the Word of God. It says that when we exalt Jesus... And when Jesus is lifted up, Jesus will draw people to himself. And I pray that you would do that this morning in this altar call. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed? Praise team's going to sing. You know if you need to come, don't wait, don't hesitate. Step out and come right now. Let's sing that together, okay? Let's sing it together.
Lord, we admit we need you. We, we need you more than we need air to breathe and food to eat. We need you. And I pray that that would become our pursuit in 2024. That every day we would take a knee. Every day we would fight back against the devil. Every day we would draw near to God so that you will draw near to us. Every day we would clean up our life and live righteously. Every day we would be serious about our relationship with Jesus Christ. And every day we would humble ourselves and exalt Jesus. Help us to do that. Help us to be a good light for you in this dark, dark world. And dear Lord, for those in this room and who are watching online, who are struggling with life or with real life problems, I pray that you would draw near to them. I love you so much, Jesus. I love my church family. Thank you. Thank you, dear Lord, for Kavanaugh Church. Thank you for my friends who are here. Help us to be the best we can be in 2024 for you. For we ask it in Christ's name. And everybody said, amen. Thank you. You can be seated just for a moment. If you're a church member, make sure you stop by one of these black boxes and drop your offering in. Uh, this is the last Sunday you can give towards your 2023 giving. So if you're doing that, make notation on your envelope or your check. If you're a guest, fill out one of those Connect cards. Take it to the Connect counter out these doors and we'll give you a gift. Wednesday night, we're going to have church for all ages. Uh, on Wednesday night, I let the staff rotate and they take turns preaching. It's my turn this Wednesday night, so I'm, I'm looking forward to preaching to those who are here. Pray, pray that it's a good service throughout the building for everyone. On Thursday, the prime timers are meeting at 11:30, and on February the 4th, coming up in just a few weeks, we're going to have a baptism service both at 9 o'clock and 10:30. So if you've been saved but not baptized, Talk to one of our pastors. We'd love to get you on the list and get you baptized. Also, you'll notice out in the lobby on the other side, there is a table set up. It's for those going on the Puerto Rico trip here in a few weeks. There's 12 going on this trip. They're going to minister to the students at the school there, and they're using this time for one last fundraiser okay so if you'd like to participate you can what they're going to do is sell racks of ribs they're going to smoke ribs and sell those ribs i think you pick them up like february 3rd or something like that so it's it's on the information table out there 25 dollars for a rack of ribs and i've had their ribs before they're pretty good also out there is this blackstone smoker grill it's a pretty good-looking grill, and they're going to raffle that thing off, $10 a ticket. If, even if you don't need a, a new Blackstone grill, you can buy a ticket, and then if you win it, you can give it to somebody, all right? So it's all, it's all going to the Puerto Rico trip, all right? I, I love you. I hope you have a great day. It's supposed to snow. I think it's going to, so go have some fun in the snow, but be careful, all right? Have a good one. We'll see you.